0: Morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I went to high school at a Lutheran high school. And every day we'd gather for chapel at about 9 15 in the morning. We'd go to the gym, and there we would all sit in the gym by our assigned by our homerooms and our grades. And looking back at it now, I cherish those moments in chapel. I wish I could do that every day, to go back there every day at 9.15 and worship God. But I bet back then, if you asked me, as I was coming out of chapel, and you would ask me, Ben, what was the main point of today's chapel? What did you take out of chapel today? I think I would say, more often than not, something like this. Well, I think it was about Paul or perhaps about Peter. I'm not really sure. The guy who was giving devotion today was so boring, I couldn't really listen to him. And then Brett, my friend, Brett was shaking his leg and making the bleachers squeak. How could I pay attention with that racket going on? And besides, the girl who I really like and want to ask out on a date was sitting right next to me. So I was nervous anyways and I thought maybe if I shared my hymnal, I could get a date out of it somehow. And then the football game was coming up and if we won, we would go to playoffs and it's a big deal, so how could I pay attention with something like that going on? And perhaps maybe you've done something similar to that too. Maybe not in a chapel in high school every day, but perhaps something sometime here at church, where you, like me, let all the littlest distractions, the tiniest noises, the thoughts that can be saved for later, creep into your head and take over your whole mind. Now that's just an example, a small example, of a huge problem that you and I face every day of our lives. The problem of temptation. And Jesus tells us, To pray to him when we're faced with temptation. He tells us to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And in that prayer, he's teaching us two things. One, he's teaching us that God doesn't lead us into temptation. And two, that God leads us away from temptation. And listen to what James says. Because in our sermon text for today, James teaches that very same thing. Let's hear what he says. James, when he wrote this letter, knew exactly what trials and temptations were like. He knew exactly what it was to go through trials and temptations. For at this time, when he wrote this letter, a great persecution had broken out throughout all of Jerusalem. And for those of you who were in Bible class a few weeks ago, you might know and remember this persecution in Jerusalem because it happened right after the stoning of Stephen. And so all the Christians who were in Jerusalem were scattered into Judea, into Samaria, and into all the ends of the earth, into different nations. And they were wondering, they probably were wondering, what in the world is going on? And often, you and I can relate to them. Because when trials and temptations enter our life, you and I probably ask that same question. What in the world is going on? And so James, when he writes, he writes to the Christians back then. He wants to alleviate their anxiety. He wants to take them out of this stressful situation. And he wants them to know exactly what is going on. And we can take that same thing out of it. And so he writes in verses 13 to 15, he says, listen to James here. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You see that it's not God who's leading you into temptation, but it's yourself. And so you can understand after reading this word that God has given us, that it is not God who is tempting you. But rather, God, through these temptations and through these trials that he allows in your life, He's doing what he likes to do to his children. He likes to bless them. And so he's letting these trials and temptations act as tests. And the thing about these tests is he wants you to pass. He doesn't want you to stumble and fail. He doesn't want to trip you up. He doesn't want you to think that this is an impossible task for you to try and do on your own. But he wants you to pass. He wants to celebrate with you. And he wants to do that because he knows he's the one that makes you do that. James writes, to let you know this too, as he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so, the tests that we face through trial and temptation are not something that God is putting in our life on purpose to cause us to stumble. No, he wants us to pass these tests. He'll make us pass these tests, and then he'll give us the crown of life. And it's like a coach with his team. Think about on the practice field, a bunch of players. They're going through drills, and they run into a problem. They don't know how to figure it out. And so they're start struggling. They're trying, to, they're trying to pass, trying to succeed in this drill. And they don't know what to do. And so they go to their coach, and they ask their coach, Coach, what do we do? How do we fix this? How do we figure out what to do in this situation? So the coach, through his guidance, through his help and support, shows them how to do it, and then finally when they're done, he steps back, and he smiles, and he's happy, and he says, Look what you did. Look how you succeeded. Look how you figured this situation out. And that's exactly what God is doing. And so he's not putting these tests, like we've said, into our lives on purpose, but he's allowing them to happen. And so now you recognize, after hearing what James has said, that these tests are, and temptations and trials are not coming from God, but they're coming from yourself. Like I was in chapel in high school, it wasn't the pretty girl next to me causing me to be distracted, it wasn't my friend squeaking his leg on the bleachers causing me to be distracted. It was my own desire, my own temptations, my own sinful self that was allowing myself to be filled with these tiny distractions. And so, after listening to what James says, understanding what's going on, you understand it's not God who's tempting you. But temptation, when you're tempted, is like fishing. Think of the words James uses: temptation, desire, enticed, dragged away. Can you see the picture that he's painting? Can you see that fish that's in the lo- in the water, hanging on the hook? It looks like a free lunch, so you swim over to it and you want to check out what it's about. And you take a nibble, and it looks good, it tastes good, it doesn't seem like it's going to harm you, so you take a bite and you enjoy it for just a second, and then you feel something wrong. And then you feel that pain go through you, and you start getting dragged away to somewhere that you don't want to go, but you can't stop it. And ultimately, that free lunch that you thought cost you nothing actually cost you your life. And so when temptation crosses your path, when you find yourself in those situations, do you ever find yourself wondering, God, why have you put me here? God, why have you allowed me to be faced with this temptation? I can't pass it. God, why are you allowing me to fall and over and over again into temptation? Why am I the one who got caught? Why am I the one who has to pay? There's much worse people out there. And if you've ever thought these thoughts, if you ever think these thoughts, you start walking down a dangerous path. And this path is exactly what James is guarding against. James doesn't want you to go down that path. In fact, he encourages you and tells you not to because he tells you what's going on. He tells you where your temptations are coming from, and he tells you what to do. Like Jesus, he wants you to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Because when you pray that, you're understanding what's going on. You're understanding that God is not leading you into temptation, but God is rather leading you away from temptation. And is there anything else that God is doing? Yes. Let's listen to what James says again. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. God is a Father. He's our Heavenly Father, and he loves to give his children gifts. That's what he does. And so... He's given you gifts over and over. You can think about it. He's given you gifts, we'll just go on an example, sun, moon, and stars, like the text says. And he does not change. He does not change like shifting shadows, so you know he's never going to give you gifts that aren't gifts. He's not going to try and trick you and tempt you, but he's not going to change, and he'll just keep giving you gifts. But the situations you find yourself in Those situations will change like shifting shadows. The slightest change in light will cause those temptations, those trials to appear completely different. But you know that God doesn't give you anything but gifts. And so he uses these tests and trials, he allows them and uses them to be gifts in your life. Because that's what God does. Your Heavenly Father gives you gifts. And all it takes is just a little learning. All it takes is just a little bit of perception to understand these trials and temptations as gifts. And you can understand that and you can start perceiving these as that way, thinking about your trials and temptations as gifts by learning through experience. Because most of us don't learn without... A little experience. And so after you've learned, you can begin to see that. And a way you can start learning is by looking at the examples we have in the scripture. In fact, one ex- specific example in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph was a son of Jacob, one of his 12 sons. Joseph was favored and eventually became to be the ruler of Egypt. So look at him and see what he went through. He was the favorite son of his father. He was given a special ornate coat that he told his brothers about. He was given dreams from God, and he let his brother and his fathers know about them. Dreams that had said he would rule over them, and they weren't too happy about those dreams. And in fact, his brothers were filled with so much jealousy, they began to hate him they wanted to kill him, but instead sold him into slavery. And so he went from favored son to a slave. And then in slavery, he served a man named Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, he learned humility. And he grew in stature and service, and he became second only to Potiphar in his house. So Potiphar had placed him over his entire house. But then Potiphar's wife came, and she wanted to seduce him and sleep with him. But Joseph said, no, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And he ran away. But by leaving his coat there, Potiphar's wife used that to accuse him of the very action she wanted to do with him. And so Potiphar could only do one thing, and that was throw his number one servant into jail. So he went from managing a house to being in jail. And then in jail, he grew in service and stature so much so that the jailer put him in charge of the prison, and he only answered to the jailer. And that's where he met the Pharaoh's cup taster and the Pharaoh's bread maker. And they had dreams, and he interpreted those dreams. And when the cup taster was back in Pharaoh's service, and Pharaoh had a dream about the famine to come and the years of plenty, and didn't know what what it meant, the cup taster remembered Joseph. And he called Joseph up, and Joseph interpreted the dreams. And Pharaoh took him into his service as an advisor, and he grew in stature and service so much so that he became the one who ruled Egypt. He only answered to Pharaoh. So, Pharaoh could live the easy life while Joseph managed the greatest country in the world at that time. And so, Joseph, when he was in his old age, probably looked back at his life. And even though he went through trials and temptations, being wanting to be killed by his family, to being a prisoner, to a slave, and now finally to a ruler of Egypt, he looked back and he saw those trials and temptations not as hardships. Yes, they caused pain. But there were gifts and blessings from God, for God was able to cause good out of all these actions. And so now I want you guys to take a look at your life. I want you guys to think about all the pains and trials that you've gone through, all the temptations that you've faced. I want you to start thinking like Joseph. And I know each and every one of you can. And it's not because of anything that you do that you can think that way. But it's because of what God has brought forth in you. The new man, the faith-worked new man that he brought into your life through the Holy Spirit and his word. And it's because of that new man that you can start turning around and looking at your life and realizing that these trials and temptations he's put in our life are gifts. And so you realize when you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, that your new man is asking God to take you away from these situations. It's asking God to view these situations as gifts. And it also goes into play when you've fallen into temptation and you've fallen into sin and you have committed those sins and you're in despair and you're wondering, how can I... Go to God. How can I pray to him, Lord, lead me not into temptation when I fall and fall again? That's when your new man looks at those temptations and your fallen sins, and he remembers that they don't exist anymore in God's mind because he sent his son to die on the cross to take away all those sins. And so now you remember, God came down and saved you Trials and temptations, you don't have to follow anymore. And God never promised to take away trials and temptations, but He's promised to take away the desire of temptation. And when you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, that's exactly what you're asking. You're asking not to sin, you're asking to follow His will and not follow temptation. And when you pray, you can pray in complete confidence that he'll say, yes, I will lead you away because he's promised that already. We heard it just a little bit ago when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And like Pastor said, it's not a temptation that we can bear on our own because we know we will fall. But it's a temptation that God can stand, and God can bear on his own. And so pray in your understanding of the situation, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And I'll give you one more example, one more illustration. Life is like a journey that you go on with your father. And on this journey, you're walking down the narrow path with cliffs on either side. And if you take one step to the left or one step to the right, you'll fall to to your death. But it's not just that it's a narrow path, but there's trees that have fallen across. So you and your father are on this walk, and you want to try and do this all on your own. And so when the trees come, you try and do it on your own, but you end up scraping your knees, breaking your bones, almost falling to your death, and you can't even get over the first tree. So you swallow your pride and you ask your dad, Hey, Dad, I need help. And he helps you over. And when you're done with the journey, you look back, and that... Him and you getting over the trees together is actually the best memory that you have of the journey. And God is like your Heavenly Father. God is your Heavenly Father. And so on this journey that we call life, He is walking with you. And He doesn't just want to sit back and watch you struggle. He doesn't want to just watch you try and get over the trees of temptation on your own. But He wants to experience it with you. He wants to help you get over them. And so, when you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, you are grabbing your Father's hand. You're grabbing his hand, and he is hoisting you over the tree without even breaking a sweat. And that's why we pray that very prayer. And now there's one question left. God's with you every step of the journey. But the question is, are you with him? And if you are... You pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Amen.